98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? Man, does this smell good. Wolfing down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Lou. Hey, boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. Alright, welcome back to the Wolf and Luke show. Tim Ring Howard Balls are filling in. I'm Jesse Morrison. I'll be taking you through Wolfing Down Your Lunch today, filling in for Aaron Maloney. First Jesse. thing, multiple reports coming out of Cardinals practice today. I've said that backup quarterback Colt McCoy, tight end Zach Ertz, and defensive end JJ Watt were not on the field. Does this concern you guys? Well, I'm not all that worried about Colt McCoy's availability, and it is only Monday, so my level of concern is not exactly heightened. But I guess, Howard, yeah, as as long as those guys are not out there, it calls into question their availability for week one. And when you're talking about two of your better players in Watt and Ertz, I, I would say that would be something to keep an eye on. And a very important season opener against a very tough team. I, I just, you know, to, to flat out answer the question honestly, until I see those guys on the field, yeah, I'm going to be a little, I'm going to be a little concerned about their availability. There's a little more concern with me with Ertz because he hasn't practiced in quite a while. Okay, because of a calf injury. What we don't know why. He wasn't there. Could it be just out oh, giving a veteran a day off? It happens a lot of times during the weeks, usually later. This is a this is kind of a bonus practice for teams because normally the practice week is Wednesday, Thursday, Friday before Sunday games. McCoy has had a arm issue all throughout training camp. And so on the level, you say, okay, well, who knows? Maybe they, they might have to bring Trace McSorley off the practice squad to be active if Colt McCoy can't play on Sunday. But I'm, we'll know more on Wednesday. I'm actually more concerned that our, our reporter on the scene, Tyler Drake, didn't see Trayvon Mullen yeah. earlier. Like, that's <laughs> like, really? Okay, I, I hope there's a good explanation for that, and we'll have that uh, as soon as it becomes available. All right. Arizona ace Zach Gallen pitched seven more scoreless innings Sunday in the D-backs 5-1 win over the Brewers. He is just one more inning away from breaking the team record held by Brandon Webb for consecutive scoreless innings. Do y'all think he gets it done in his next start at Coors Field against the Rockies? Well, yeah, of course I do. Coors Field or no Coors Field, I understand what it's like to pitch out there, but I, I, I would say after the way he's been pitching, how could you not think he can't go out there and get one more scoreless would inning hope. Yeah, you against would the Colorado Rockies? <laughs> you would hope. I mean, the guy's absolutely dealing right now. You know, he's 12-2, and two, Howard. To answer the question, yes. Take it a step further. If he gets five more starts this season... And he, he dreaming is free. If he were to win four or five of those, and he gets that scoreless streak up to maybe the fourth or fifth best in Major League Baseball history, he, is he in the Cy Young Award conversation? Ooh. He probably is. 
I saw one stat last night, I believe I'm right on this, that since August 1st, his ERA is 0.57, which isn't that surprising when he's had this many scoreless <laughs> in- innings. But is he, is he Cy Young caliber? I really haven't looked at all of the the pitchers. Well, no, he's in not the national- yet. Not yet. He's not yet because he's only twelve and two. I mean, he, some of the guys already have seventeen. But if he finishes seventeen and two, okay, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a lot. I mean, he has to finish five and zero oh in September. Or if he finishes four and zero oh or four and one and gets to sixteen and two or sixteen and three, seventeen and two, he'll, he'll get votes because I, be- I believe voters can vote. I mean, for a number of guys, so he will probably get votes for that. Whether it's enough to win, we'll have to wait and see. Mm-mm, good. And staying with Gallon, how long do you guys see this streak lasting? I mean, I believe you you guys were talking about it earlier that he he's not too far off the major league record and you know is very close to moving into the top five and well he needs 18. he needs 18 yeah. innings to break the great oral hersheiser run of 1988 which was absolutely legendary if you lived through that i mean the fact that we're even talking about it i think speaks to what what zach allen has done here uh lately but Howard, as you were saying a couple hours ago, go ahead and go ahead and repeat that. He, if he gets how many more? If he gets six, if he, gets, r- if he gets six more innings, he jumps into third all time. Third all time. Third all time ahead of Bob Gibson, Zach Granke, Carl Hubble, Sal Magley, and of course Brandon Webb. If he gets another five, he would be just behind Gibson, and Gibson had forty-seven, which is the third longest ever. So he's in he's in pretty incredible. Incredible company right now. I wonder if Tori Lavello would start managing to the streak. In other words, like if he's going, he knows he's at Coors Field. You're playing with fire. Zach gets through five. Team is up. Maybe he's throwing a lot of pitches. Yeah, I mean, team is up four nothing. Or maybe he moves. It's like, it's they, like all right, we we got we, we got him through Coors. Let's get him yeah, out right. of there. <laughs> maybe, maybe he moves his start. He pushes it forward and or pushes it back to you know after they leave Coors Field. I mean that's a possibility. They are going to a six man rot- rotation. He hasn't sp- specifically stated uh, as of yesterday, at least that Gallon will start in Colorado. So maybe he moves him away from I, 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 that. Yeah, one. I would doubt that you would do that, I especially yeah. because it takes you too much out of your routine. I don't think you want to do that. But like I said, if he if he got through five innings. And the, the D-backs had a lead, and his pitch count, maybe in a normal situation, you would send him out for the sixth, but maybe because of the streak, maybe you would pull him to get him out of Coors Field unscathed. I don't know. Something to think about. Something All right. to think about. Well, we talked about it with our Arizona sports ASU beat writer earlier in the show. But on Thursday, uh, ASU took down NAU 40-3, to which brings us to our Sanderson-Ford poll question over on ArizonaSports.com. What was your takeaway from ASU's 40-3 to win? Your choices are, I'm more optimistic, let's pump the brakes until they play a better team, or I have more concerns than before. I mean, can I combine one and two? <laughs> got to, got to pick one, Tim. Got to pick one. Uh, I, all right, I'll pick. I'll pick. I'm more optimistic. I'm more optimistic because I, I didn't know what what they had in Emory Jones, and I certainly didn't know what they had in Validay. So, from those two individual playmakers, I feel I feel better. I, I 
what I saw out there, NAU or not, I didn't see a three or four win team. I saw I saw a team that, while I don't think they're going to beat Oklahoma State, I don't think they're going to beat Utah, and I don't think they're going to beat USC, I saw a team that could beat the Colorados of the world. I saw a team that could get to that six-win mark. That's what I saw in that game on Thursday. No matter what happens on Saturday in Stillwater, I saw a team that looked the part of a team that could win a few games in the Pac-12. And I wasn't sure, going into that NAU game, that I was going to see that. So that's good. I, I like what you're saying there, and you, you can't... I mean, you have to have some being impressed, but you still have to have to take into account the opponent. So I, I lean more towards number two. Tap the brakes. Let's not get too over our, over our heels because at home they beat Northern Arizona. And so... I agree with you that this is a team that, and I always thought that that they should they should still beat some of those teams in the Pac-12. But right, I think what we will learn Saturday, even if they lose, is can they hold their own with Oklahoma State? If they can do that, then I think that's a good sign. I, I just think for the rest of the season, I think Valaday and Jones were just better. They looked they were better players than I. Not, how could I phrase this? Because I didn't think they were going to be bad. I just was really impressed with right. those two guys. Very very true. very impressed with those two players. It didn't matter who they were playing against. I could just tell by evaluating them, they've got some ability. All right. Well, I am. All, I'm also more optimistic, but I agree more with Howard. So, if this pop up that just happened to show up on my screen just now goes away, I will be able to answer this. All right. I am going to vote. Let's pump the brakes until they play a better team. Which. Is the which stay with us, Jesse? We only got to one, <laughs> which is in second place. I have more concerns than before. Really, is, is leading at forty six percent. Let's hmm. pump the brakes until they play a better team. Forty five percent, and I'm more optimistic. Nine percent. The theme of ASU fans right now is that they are in this uh, hold of negativity. I think so. Uh, it just—it's always the negative first That's before strange. anything else. Hey, look! There were some people were predicting a three and nine season. I didn't. I just. I don't. I don't see it. I, I still have them at four and eight. Did you see Colorado play the other night? My God, they were awful. I like that tight end too. And I—I I mean, I, yeah. Listen, at least get, yeah. And I fully expect that they could lose fifty-one to three on Saturday. But I don't know if I see a three or four win team there. But we'll see. Could be wrong. It's happened before. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break when we come back. Uh, back to baseball a little bit. Boy, the D-backs. So exciting to watch. Uh, not only Zach Gallen, but boy, the the, uh, the triumvirate of outfielders. Uh, the speed, the power, the excitement. Appointment viewing in September for D-backs baseball. Are you kidding me? Believe it. It's happening. Tim and Howard in for Wolf and Luke, 98.7 Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Oh, 
happy Labor Day to you and yours. 1217 here on a Labor Day Monday. It is the Wolf and Luke Show. Tim Ring and Howard Balzer filling in for the big guys on this uh, Monday. We're going to take you up until 1 o'clock. And Mitch and Steve hop in the chairs from 1 to 3. And then D-backs baseball coming up uh, today here on 98.7. D-backs and Padres, they open up a season uh, series uh, in San Diego today. At Petco Park, D-backs coming off that 5-1 win over the Brewers uh, yesterday. Zach Gallen outstanding again. Ryan Nelson on the mound for the D-backs today. Tori Lovello uh, talking about going to a six-man rotation uh, now for a while. Ryan Nelson, I'm guessing Ryan Named after my favorite player growing up, Ryan Sandberg. Oh, I thought you were going to say Ryan Duran. <laughs> do, do you remember him at all? No. Oh, my goodness. Oh. I got to get confirmation from Ryan's parents or Ryan himself on that, but that's just that's just a guess. Anyway, nonetheless, the, the D-backs and the uh, Padres get going a little bit later today uh, here on a holiday Monday. Tim Ring and Howard Balls are in, taking you up again until uh, 1 o'clock. Coming up, uh, Tyler Drake uh, on the phone live from Cardinals practice with an update on who was on the field and who was not. Uh, that, again, coming up uh, in about 11 minutes. Howard, you know, the D-backs, we talked about Zach Gallen in the street a lot earlier in the show today, but we'd be remiss if we did not talk about the other young players making Mm -hmm. such a difference. A lot of hype uh, hysteria about the Corbin Carroll call-up last week, and rightfully so, widely regarded by many as the top prospect in baseball. But it's not only Carroll, Jake McCarthy, uh, young, exciting. These guys can hit. They can hit for average. They run the bases. They got big personalities. You can see it on the field. You can hear it in the way they give interviews. There's just a whole lot to like on the field and off the field with the way these young kids handle their business. And I referenced it before. It's been a long time. Since the D-backs have been appointment viewing. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't wait for the next game. You want to watch this team. Let alone in September. Right. When people are dialed in now on football. But yet, because of these young kids, people are still kind of focused in now on the Diamondbacks in September. And that is a real good thing going forward for the organization. And they become relevant again, which is to your point. And even though... You're excited and to watch them in September, even be, even because even though it's not quote a race for a playoff spot. I guess crazy things could happen, and you never know. And but it's unlikely that that would happen. But you're just looking at this team and saying, "Hey, just keep this up, finish this season strong," and you really have. Some something to really get optimistic about for 2023 and where they were last year. Oh my goodness, that's that that's a big positive development. And we talked earlier that they're only five games away from being 500 right now, and only about a week ago, maybe a little more than that, they were 10 games away. So they've cut that in half, and so it's very realistic that they at least could get to. F- to you know, to five hundred, and even even heck, even if you get to eighty wins, if you're eighty and eighty two, I mean, just just to get to that number eighty, I think would be eighty one, uh, whatever, eighty one, eighty two. Hey, right, the, it would be it would be an accomplishment, and really gives hope for next year. The, the improvement from last year goes without saying, right? I mean, you just look at the records. I talked to Steve Berthiem about this last week, and 
if you watch the Diamondbacks, even within the 2022 season, this team has greatly improved even since May. Right. And, and that's and, and that's what's really been a joy to watch as a D-backs fan and observer is that the team has grown exponentially. They play sharper. They play cleaner baseball. And I asked Steve about this on the air last week, and he basically said, you know, a, a lot of it's personnel. And he didn't want to point fingers, but you just have you have new guys. You have younger guys. You have new blood. You know, they're making plays. They're running the bases. They're doing the right things. They're, they're playing the right way. You know, Torrey's pushing the right buttons now. And and they they go out there every day and they compete, and obviously they're getting great pitching performances every five days from not only Gallon, but Merrill Kelly, who hasn't lost a game since June twenty fourth. Howard, he's dialing up shutouts left and right as well. So McCarthy, Varsho, now Corbin Carroll, Stone Garrett rips the cover off the ball. They have guys like Perdomo who don't hit for average, but they draw walks at critical points and they get on base. Like the money ball scene. <laughs> gets on base. Gets on base. Listen, they're 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 as you mentioned, five games under five hundred. They're sixty four and sixty nine. They have twenty nine games left. They need to finish eighteen and eleven to get to eighty two and eighty. So whatever, 17 and 12 to get to 81 and 81, whichever floats your boat in terms of what would impress you. Um, that's doable the way they're totally. playing. But remember, you know, on the road for three at San Diego, you got three with the Dodgers. Then you got four with San Diego at Chase. Then you're on the road for the Dodgers for five. They got a five-game series beginning on September 19th. And then for good measure, they go to Houston for two at the end of the month. So the schedule is not their friend. But you know what? I don't think these young kids care. Care? No, I'm with you on that. Line them up. Yeah. Let's go. Let's yeah, go just, play ball. And let's let's show we can play with yeah. the big boys. And listen, if, sh- if they end up with 75 wins, who cares? I bet you they're going to battle this month. They're right. Battle. No, I think you're 100 percent right. And 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 if they can really play well in those, I mean, and what the heck. If you you're going to lose games, there's no doubt about it. But if you lose being competitive, that's that that's a big plus, especially if you're when you're playing the Dodgers. So what do they got? Eight games with the Dodgers then this month or the rest of the season? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. So yes, and they got and, and they finish up at Milwaukee, who could very well be in a playoff race. Yeah, they could be because where they are right now. I mean, so, just a couple of weeks ago, maybe more than a couple of weeks ago. They had a four-game lead on the Cardinals. Right. The so Cardinals now lead by eight and a half in that division. So they're, they're fighting for their lives just to be a wild card. So it's going to be tough. It's tough sledding, as we used to say uh, back in the day for the D-backs. But they can be spoilers. They, they can, can be spoilers. They can be spoilers. And again, it's just one of those deals where you kind of can't wait for the next game. And it's been a while since we've said that about Diamondbacks baseball. And that's a good thing. And it bodes well, most importantly, for 2023. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, Tyler Drake out on the scene, Cardinals on the practice field. Who was out there? Who was not? What's the deal with Trayvon Mullen? Are there any answers that Tyler can provide? We're going to find out in about three minutes here. 
Tim Ring, Howard Balzer, and for Wolf and Luke, 98.7, Arizona Sports Station. Hi, this is Evan Collins. You're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. I've seen a lot of maturity, taking ownership of things, demanding things from others, not suggesting things, I would say. Great open field tackle by Zayvon Collins. He read it, he trusted, and he made the play. When he fires and he's not thinking, you can see that athletic ability and that size really on display, and then he just has to keep doing that. Let's go! Let's go! Wolf and Luke, talk Cardinals now. And we're back. Tim Ray Howard Balzer, 1232 on a Monday. Happy Labor Day to you and yours. Hope you are enjoying the holiday. If it is, in fact, a holiday for you. Uh, before we get out to Tyler Drake out there at Cardinals uh, practice, do have some breaking ASU football news. Joey Ramos, the offensive lineman who suffered the ankle injury on the play that Emory Jones fumbled the football late in the first half against NAU. Herm Edwards just announced that Ramos will be out for the season with a high ankle sprain. Ramos, who is from Phoenix, went to high school at Deer Valley, transferred in from Iowa State and was expected to be a big part of the Sun Devils offensive line in 2022. But Joey Ramos uh, is out for the season. All right, let's get to the Cardinals now. Tyler Drake uh, is out there at practice. Tyler, good to have you on. Appreciate it. It's Tim and Howard. Uh, I know there's a lot to get to, but let me begin with Trayvon Mullen. I saw your tweet that he wasn't out there, but I know he just met the media. So what does he have to say for himself? What do you know? What can you tell us about the new cornerback? Yeah, definitely. What's going on, guys? <clears throat> so, yeah, Trayvon Mullen uh, actually uh, talked to us today, and, and even though I didn't see him out there, he said he was uh, on the recovery path and said that he is most likely will be ready to go for week one. So, obviously, that's a good uh, a good sign for the depth at a very, very thin cornerback room. And, and yeah, so it sounds like it's just uh, kind of a slow roll, getting him up to speed and, and making sure he's full speed or full go for week one. So this wasn't apparently, I don't know if I would assume Kingsbury was asked about him. Is this something that he had with the Raiders that he brought here, but it, it didn't happen? I don't even know if he is, he hurt, to, is he hurt, Tyler? I mean, what's or is he just kind of getting himself ready to roll here? It sounds like he might have a have a little bit of a foot thing. Okay. Foot, yeah, one of those type deals that he's I think was lingering from. You know, obviously he had the short season last year dealing with. Uh, you know, season any injuries. So obviously I think that's part of it, I think. But I, I also at the same time, I think they do want to get him up to speed and not just thrown into the fire right away. Obviously there's only a couple of ga- days before we get to week one. But uh, yeah, I think it, sa- it doesn't sound like there's a lot of concern there, whether he'll be available or not. Well, Trayvon Mullen did have the surgery on the foot back in May, and I know he was slow to recover from that. It's a little concerning that here we are, game week, and that still might be holding him back a little bit. But it sounds like he says he is probably going to be on the field because that's good, because they need him. Speaking of on the field or not on the field, Tyler, uh, your your impressions of practice today uh, in terms of who was out there, who was not out there, what can you tell us? And more importantly, what does it mean in your opinion? 
Yeah, so for me, I would say a couple of uh, positives would be, you know, Jonathan Ward was out there today after, you know, he's been dealing with the shoulder injury. Uh, Rondell Moore was back out there, even though we don't really know what's going on with him. Uh, I asked Cliff that actually today, and he said he'll let us know Wednesday. So <laughs> sticking to that uh, same old uh, injury report timeline. So nothing to report really there, but he was back at practice. He was going through uh, individual work in the open portion, so that's obviously a really good sign. Uh, something that's not the greatest sign is uh, Marcus Golden is likely going to be game time decision with the uh, with the toe injury, and uh, he was working out with the trainer on the side today. So at least that he's moving around, but that'll be something to watch. And another one's going to be Zach Ertz. Uh, same deal as uh, as Marcus Golden, and that one's going to be that one's a lot more uh, worrisome for me, just because it sounds like they're waiting for Wednesday to really see if he can, you know go and be able to impact a game. So I would say Wednesday is going to be a huge day for Zach Ertz to see if he really is going to play week one, which with that calf, that calf injury has just been lingering. So those, uh, those are probably my major ones. Colt McCoy was another guy that wasn't out there. Uh, and JJ Watt, uh, I believe he's still dealing with a little bit of that COVID, that lingering COVID symptoms, whatever you want to say. So uh, that's, Another thing to watch, I would expect him to be good to go by week one, though, personally. So, yeah, I think that would be it. And, uh, yeah, with Ward, Cliff said he's close to 100%, so definitely solid there. And then you got Justin Pugh and Rodney Hudson were back out of practice, so that's always a good sign for the O-line. I'm with you on the Ertz concern because I know there was some consternation from the outside of why did the Cardinals keep four tight ends? Well, one was that Ertz has been dealing with this issue and where where are we on max williams i mean do we really know if he's up to speed enough in the comeback from the from the knee injury last year to play some snaps i don't know if we really know that answer so certainly if even if Ertz plays you wonder if how much he'll be able to yeah max's situation and then after that you've got the rookie trey mcbride who dealt with some back tightness earlier in camp and then steven anderson so the tight end spot could be a could be a point of concern for this game on sunday yeah definitely and especially just with what Ertz can bring to the table and really what that tight end position can bring to the table we saw last year with max williams before he went down that he could he could get some run in the receiving game and not just be that you know primary blocking tight end. Trey McBride seems like he can be an NFL tight end. He just he's got to get his reps. He's got to get his live game snaps. So yeah, it, it's definitely something to watch for for a position that you know when we're entering the offseason, I I put them with the safeties as two of the best like strongest position groups on the team. And now it's you see these injuries with the tight ends and they're slowly moving down the ranks of of just you know top positions on this team. Uh, visiting with Tyler Drake, our Cardinals reporter, just took in Cardinals practice and the press conferences out there. Tyler, I, I got to get, and I guess unfortunately, this is where we just got to pull out your opinion more than maybe journalistic fact. I got to go back to Marcus Golden. Um, you, you obviously know the speculation that this could be a hold in rather than a legitimate injury. Um, is there a chance he actually is hurt? What 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 is what is not being said out there in your opinion, or is this a, a quote unquote injury that could be cured at the negotiating table in the matter of days? I mean, what what, what is going on with Marcus Golden in your opinion? I guess is the way to just point blank. Come on and ask yeah, him. yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I 
To be honest, I think it's a little bit of both. I, th- I think we could easily say it's a little bit of both. Do I think there might be a toe injury? Sure, for sure. Okay. Do I think it's Do I think it's so severe that he would be missing week one? I I personally don't. Okay. I think there's a little bit of you know, hey yeah, I've got this thing going on, and at the same time, I also deserve another contract. Which let's be honest, the guy does. He's making what like just under three four million this year. So I would say. There's got to be. I think there's two sides to it. I, I definitely do. And uh, you know, he and for a guy, I mean, he wants to play football. End of the day, this guy wants to go out there, has a high motor, wants to play football, wants to be with his teammates. But you cannot. I mean, we can't forget this is a business. You got it. You got to be able to to pay. I mean, to live. You got to be able to pay for your family. You got to be able to do all these things. So, uh, as much as it is concerning to the outside, I think that. I mean, at the end of the day, I think Marcus is going to be fine. I think he'll come back. I think he'll play. I think the Cardinals will do right and give him a new deal. So I think all of this thing, all of these outside things will come together at the end of the day, but it's definitely not how you wanted to start with arguably your, I mean, not arguably, like your best pass rusher on the team. I mean, he led in, he led sacks last year. So you definitely want to get that short up sooner than later. And, I, and you know, it seems like they're going to find a way to do it before week one. But at the same time, who knows? Yeah, who know, who knows? And I think certainly you would have to believe there's some something to the injury because I don't think they would put him out there on the side field working uh, working with a trainer just for show, right? But so there has no, to be exactly. yes, has to be something there. But you know, in terms of his money, you know, I've seen some of the things listed, and they're counting the million dollars in incentives that he earned last year in this year's compensation. And technically that might be true because I think it might have been a salary escalator, but he's only getting that because of the reaching reaching a million dollars in incentives last year. His base salary is $2 million, $2 million, and then there's some per-game roster bonuses in there. So there's no doubt, whatever those numbers are in those areas, he deserves more. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I want to go back to you, that to, as, as everyone's going to be talking all week, Tyler, about the cornerbacks. And even if Trayvon Mullen's on a recovery path, you start wondering, well, how many snaps is he truly going to be able to play if there's a physical issue there? And with going against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, if Mullen gets a limited number of snaps, then then you've got Javelin Gidry, the guy they picked up on waivers from the Jets, and Christian Matthew. So this is not exactly a great situation to be entering week one with at that cornerback position. No, and even Cliff said it's not ideal. <laughs> I mean, he got right down to it. Said it's not ideal to go up against uh, you know his former college quarterback at Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, he's had a backseat to that guy's college career and seen how he's played in the NFL. So, if anybody has a good idea of what Patrick Mahomes brings to the to the table, Cliff does. And and yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just it's rough. And he even talked about it. He's like, you know, these last six months has just been a very it's it's been tough for the cornerbacks room plain and simple just with everything with the tragic death of Gladney with Hamilton's you know freak accident with Marco Wilson regressing I mean it's just all of those things just compounding on one on top of the other and it's just I mean it's got to be frustrating for that room it's got to be frustrating for that defense and and but yeah you know it's it's got to be you know can Marco Wilson maybe this is the the push that Marco needs to to come back and step up and gain some more trust from from his coaching, from the coaching staff, and from his uh, teammates, so it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, it's it's not a not the place to be right now when you're when you're going up against a AFC West juggernaut in the Chiefs. Quick, quick, um, quick response here. But close your eyes and imagine you're Andy Reid, and you're putting together this game plan for this game, and you're seeing what the Cardinals look like at corner. 
Boy, see, looking his chops. Are you looking your chops a little bit as the game planner? I mean, that's yes. Because I mean, this is a, one of the master game planners in in the National Football League. Yeah, yeah, I, and you definitely are, especially if you have this this much time for that first week. I think that's always going to be a good thing. But you know, it, it's going to be it's going to be a weird uh, weird offense to look at without Tyree Hill in there. So I'm I'm really curious to see what they do to really make up for the loss of Hill because that's gonna that's really going to be big. And, and can Valdez Scantling really step up? Can Hardman really step up? I mean, I think there's a possibility the Cardinals can play with these guys, but. Like you said, like if they're scheming this whole offseason and they know this cornerback situation, like you better believe that they've got some some plays lined up that Patrick himself probably picked out. Don't sleep on Juju Smith Schuster either, so that's gonna be interesting. Yep, that was the name I forgot. There you go. <laughs> All right, Tyler Drake, outstanding Arizona Cardinals reporter for us here at ArizonaSports.com. Tyler, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate your time. We'll check in with you again soon. We're taking a quick break. When we come back, uh, we will hear from Trayvon Mullen, who just met the media out there at Cardinals camp. We'll hear from the Cardinals' new cornerback for the first time, Tim and Howard in for Wolf and Luke, 98.7 Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, Tim Ray, Howard Balls are back. We have reached the final stands of the Wolf and Luke show on this Labor Day holiday Monday. Mitch and Steve standing by, getting ready to take you up until D-backs baseball right here today on Arizona Sports on 98.7. Trayvon Mullen acquired from the Las Vegas Raiders last week for a seventh-round pick. Could be a sixth-round pick if Mullen plays in the required amount of games. We'll worry about that later. What we are worried about now is can Trayvon Mullen... A, get up to speed with the defense. B, can he play and play effectively in week one? And C, after finding out what we found out today, is he 100% healthy? Here's a guy who only played in five games last year, had the toe issue, the foot issue, had surgery in May. That kind of surprised a lot of people. Yeah, why'd you wait till May? Right. And there was some word that maybe the team didn't even know he was having the surgery. That's neither here nor there. Then he was kind of you know limited a little bit in training camp, and now there's you know he's on the road to recovery today. It's 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 a little disconcerting. Yeah, it is <laughs> that 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 toe could possibly be still giving him an an issue because. Because they need him on the field. And let's, and let's remember, <clears throat> the Cardinals could have negated the trade when he came in to take his physical. But it shows the desperate straits where the Cardinals are at that position where they might have said, okay, well, it's not totally right. And we could easily fail him on that physical, but we need him All right. well, he at just, this point. He just met the media. Uh, we've got some cuts. Jesse, speaking of the injury ones, I'm going to go down to the middle of the list here. And the the point blank question: Will you be ready for Week One? Here's what Trayvon Mullen had to say: Most likely, for the most part, yeah. Just to continue to get better, continue to work. All right, for the most part, for the most part. Okay, so he's got to continue to work, um, continue to get better, continue to get better. Uh, more general question, uh, right off the top: His reaction to becoming an Arizona Cardinal after being. A second-round pick with very high, lofty expectations joining the, at the time, Oakland Raiders. 
I was excited. Uh, it was a big deal for me um, coming to a team like this. You know, great players, a lot of good defensive coaches, uh, good staff. Um, you know, just a new opportunity, a new team, new state, just ready to get going. Yeah, listen, he had a, he, a high expectations. The second round pick, he played with Isaiah Simmons at Clemson. He won actually two national championships at Clemson. He was a bigger part of the second one. He was the defensive MVP in the national championship game, Trayvon Mullen. It was a defense that had five first-round draft picks. He was a second-round pick. The Raiders envisioned him their future shutdown corner. Played a lot for two years. And then had the injury issues last year. Didn't play that much. And then clearly there was a divide between new regime and Trayvon Mullen that led to him possibly on the verge of being released. And then when the Cardinals came a call and the Raiders were like, sure, we'll take a seventh, maybe even a sixth round pick uh, for for Trayvon Mullen. And lo and behold, uh, he's here. Now, how it went south in Vegas, we're not quite sure. But Mullen was asked today if he felt like he needed a new opportunity. I mean, you know, in this in this line of work, anything's possible to happen. You know, I'm just control the controllables. That's just how I live my life, and I was happy with the decision for the most part. Well, he obviously figured that it wasn't going to work out with the Raiders, so he was happy for another opportunity pretty much anywhere, you would think. And certainly coming to the Cardinals is can be a positive, and so that's the way he has to look at it. But I don't know. It's It just still seems like there's, Tim, some a bunch of unanswered questions here. Well, I'm, I'm a little more concerned about the the health right. now than the getting up to speed and whether or not he's actually good um, because he needs to be out there on the field or, or Gidry's going to be playing. which Or Christian Matthew. Or Christian Matthew in week one. Um, in terms of week two, there has to be some benefit bringing Mullen over from the Raiders for Cliff Kingsbury's offense because Mullen is now here to give him a scouting report on not only what the Raiders like to do defensively, but on the individual players' strengths and weaknesses, especially weaknesses. Like Trayvon Mullen knows exactly what those Raiders defensive backs are not good at. And now he can share that with the Cardinals. The Cardinals will be asked about that in game week before the Raiders, and they'll say they'll downplay it. Yeah, they will, totally. But believe me, they will pick his brain, and they will find out where the holes are from a person, individual personnel standpoint are uh, with that with the Raiders. He, uh, Howard, I'll get your thoughts in a second, but Mullen was asked about how ready he is for that Week 2 game against the Raiders. More than ready, you know. <laughs> Come to work, prepare, you know, just like any other week, even though you know, it's the team I just came from. But mentally prepared, physically ready, um, you know, whatever. And, and this is, let's remember, <clears throat> a Raiders team with a new coaching staff. And so whatever insight you can glean from a player who was there while that those new offense and new defense was being put in can be a help. You can only learn so much from whatever tape they put out this week in their game against the Chargers. You can learn some, obviously, but not not everything. And Mullen, you would think, can certainly provide some insight there and more than normal, like I said, because it's a new coaching staff. And we'll leave you with one more 
again, I go back to the health. Uh, he was point blank asked, where, where are you at? Where is he at health-wise right now? I'm good. I'm doing pretty good. Um, my recovery came coming along good. Everything's been well. Um, I feel good. I'm feeling good. Just ready to play ball at this point. He used, you know, he's, he's saying feeling good a few times, but he also used the word recovery twice. Yeah, he doesn't sound like he's 100%. That, that's just me. Which you don't necessarily have to be to play in the NFL. But the other thing, Tim. No, and you're right. Okay. You, you want to hopefully make sure that no further injury occurs by playing. And, of course, an injury can happen anytime in the NFL. But if you have a guy already with an issue in the foot, toe, whatever it is, then it could get aggravated when all you're doing on the field is running and cutting and doing all those different things. Howard, my friend, it has been a pleasure. I appreciate you filling in today here on the Wolf and Luke Show. Uh, Those guys will be back, of course, tomorrow and the rest of the week. We will return you to your regularly scheduled duties covering the Arizona Cardinals. And I'll check in with you again soon. My pleasure, Tim. All right. Have a good one. Yep. Mitch Feralda, Steve Zinsmeister up next. They'll take you one to three. Then it's D-backs baseball right here on Arizona Sports 98.7. For Jesse Morrison behind the glass, I'm Tim Ring. Enjoy the rest of your Labor Day, everybody. Thanks for hanging with us. We'll catch you again next time.